Good morning. This is Jeff Cohn with the Wall Street Resource. Joining me is Jeremy Sabota. He's the CEO of Perimeter Medical Imaging AI. Good morning, Jeremy. Good morning, Jeff. Thanks for having us. Our pleasures. So, so Jeremy, for those not familiar with Perimeter, can you please give us just a quick overview of the company? Certainly. Perimeter Medical Imaging AI, I usually describe us as an early stage medical device company. We're kind of right at the uh, transition from product development into commercialization. So what we're doing is transforming cancer surgery with ultra high resolution and real time advanced imaging tools addressing unmet needs across the cancer surgery workflow. And the initial unmet need we're addressing is something called intraoperative margin assessment. And what this means is in a solid cancer surgery, so think things like lumpectomies or partial nephrectomies for kidney cancer, when the surgeon removes the tumor specimen from the patient, Today, they send that specimen to a pathology lab, and they wait anywhere from two days to seven days to have the pathologist confirm whether or not there's cancer at the edge of that tissue, at the perimeter of the tissue. If they find cancer at the perimeter of the tissue, the, can the, the risks of cancer coming back double for the patient. Uh, so instead of accepting those risks, the patient would come back for another operation. The surgeon would go back in and take additional tissue from the patient until they can achieve those clear cancer-free margin of tissue that they're trying to achieve. What our technology does is bring that uh, microscopic imaging information into the operating room so the surgeon can see in real time in the first operation if they've achieved that uh, cancer-free margin and know right away. Uh, so if they haven't, they know right away and they can go back in, take additional tissue from the patient immediately, and thus avoid all of the costs and complications that go with having a patient come back for a second operation. Very good. So, so you said you're at the edge of commercialization. Uh, are you approved now? And what's the critical pathway for your product or products? The clinical uh, pathway. Yes, Sorry we, about that. Uh, oh, certainly. Yeah, happy. So we are approved now. Uh, this technology has been in development since uh, late 2013, and we achieved our commercial clearance earlier this year, so Q1 2021. And we've been out in kind of pre-marketing activities since then. We're actively commercializing today, building an internal commercial organization to bring this flagship product, what we're calling our Perimeter S Series OCT, to market. But uh, the very exciting you know, next generation for our technology is we will be enhancing that technology with artificial intelligence. Uh, and this is AI that helps the surgeon interpret the images quickly, focus on the parts of the image that are suspicious for being cancerous, and that piece of our technology is in the clinical validation phase. So the clinical pathway to market for us uh, for the, the S-Series, our commercial technology, that was a 510K clearance, so we were relying on a predicate device. The... Uh, S-Series plus our artificial intelligence, we expect to go to market or go to the FDA for a de novo application to market. And pending, uh, you know, the, the pending data required is a randomized control trial 
where, where we will be uh, engaging eight clinical sites across the country, very well-known surgeons in the breast cancer space. We have uh, folks like the chair of the research committee from the American Society of Breast Surgeons participating, uh, the coding and reimbursement advisory group chair participating. So lots of very well-known, well-respected surgeons participating in that study. And we're very excited to get that up and running and uh, get that breakthrough designated device to market. Okay. And then what's the current state of care? The current state of care, as I, as I mentioned in the opening, is the surgeon uh, removes that specimen and they send that specimen to a pathology lab. And the pathology lab takes anywhere from two days to seven days to examine that specimen. And about 25% of the time, uh, the pathologist finds a positive margin. And in breast cancer specifically, the positive margin means the chance of cancer coming back in the same breast, so a local recurrence. Uh, the chance of that occurring doubles. So the patient would come back for at least one more operation. Sometimes they come back for, you know, immediately transition to a, uh, a, a radical mastectomy to just remove everything. And so, unfortunately, you know, you have 25% of patients coming back for at least one more operation. Uh, those operations, in terms of hard dollars and cents, cost an additional $16,000 in treatment costs. So you effectively have, uh, you know, one in four patients coming back for $16,000 cost, effectively a $4,000 cost per patient in potentially avoidable treatment costs. And then on top of that, uh, those second operations come at a nearly 50% complication rate. So things like uh, reduced cosmetic performance, uh, pain management, surgical site infections, you know, lots of uh, challenges with scarring and, and everything on, on when the surgeon goes back for that second operation. So uh, hard, hard dollars and cents costs, but also soft quality costs as well. Okay. So it sounds like nobody else is doing this live. Um, where do you fit in this competitive landscape, and, and how big a market is this? Uh, yeah, that's correct. So there, there are a couple of substitutes. There's nobody that uh, provides the level of resolution and real-time and the quality of imaging that we provide. Uh, so what surgeons resort to today are a couple of alternatives. So one would be they use x-ray, uh, and the challenges with x-ray are you don't have the level of resolution necessary to see microscopic disease. So what you're looking for when you're examining x-ray is uh, actual your, your body's defense mechanism is part of, it creates little calcium deposits that you can see on x-ray. So uh, because you can't see the actual disease, you end up treating symptoms of the disease instead of the disease. So you have a real, uh, you know, specificity problem where you take unnecessary tissue and a lot of these calcifications end up uh, becoming or end up being benign uh, upon further investigation. Uh, the other end of the spectrum is, uh, you know, for large-scale institutions, they can try to do pathology intraoperatively. So instead of waiting the two to seven days, they effectively kind of shrink down, cut some corners for the process so that they can do it uh, in about 30 to 40 minutes. Uh, it's very expensive to do. You need dedicated resources to make it happen. It still adds a half hour onto the procedure. And, you know, because of the, you know, the corners that need to be cut, 
but it's kind of frustrating for both the surgeon and the pathologist throughout that process. So effectively, the way I describe our technology is we're democratizing the kinds of results that only those large-scale, uh, top-performing institutions can provide today with this cost-effective way that uh, gives you very similar information to what pathology would give you after the operation. And so the total market... Oh, oh yep. No, go ahead, yep. please. Okay, yes. Uh, so the total market for us, I have segmented into kind of three phases. So our immediate addressable market with our S series, our pre-AI version of the device, that's right for about 30% uh, of breast surgeons that are out there uh, operating today using a lot of uh, ultrasound in their practice. In, in many, many ways, our technology is very similar to ultrasound, but instead of using sound waves, we use light waves. And because we use light waves, we can get 10 times the level of resolution compared to ultrasound, 100 times higher than MRI, so ultra-high resolution. And, but the, the trick is if a surgeon's using a lot of ultrasound, it's a pretty seamless transition into OCT, which is our technology. So those 30% of surgeons can pick it up pretty quickly and run with it. And that's, you know, probably about half of the procedures in the U.S., give or take. So you're talking about a $100 million kind of market from our immediate addressable market. Then once the AI comes, uh, that 30% of surgeons turns into 100% of surgeons overnight uh, because the learning curve is, is that much easier to, to adopt for, uh, for surgeons that don't use a lot of ultrasound. Uh, so now our U.S. market becomes $200 million overnight from that. Uh, and then as we expand beyond into other geographies and other tissue indications, uh, you know, we've assessed our total addressable market at $3.7 billion. Okay. So it, it sounds obvious to me, but I'm not in, in the business. Is it readily apparent to doctors, or is there a big education process that you have to go through in terms of making them aware of the benefits of your product? Uh, well, usually the best innovations always seem obvious in hindsight, I would say, Jeff, right? But uh, I, for our particular workflow, uh, there's a, there is certainly an education piece uh, in implementation of the technology. But to the desire to acquire new technology to solve this problem is widely acknowledged and is uh, well accepted by you know surgeons in the in the surgical oncology community. So uh, for you know for many years I've been, I've worked in medical devices my whole career and when you ask surgeons particularly in this workflow what kind of technology they need to help them with their practice and with their patients, uh, something to solve intraoperative margin assessment is usually at the top of the list uh, because the, you know, the techniques available today and trying to do it without, you know, technology that can provide imaging like perimeters technology can provide, you really uh, are flying blind to some degree uh, to try to get to solve this problem. So, uh, so surgeons widely acknowledge that the problem needs to be solved. And then for our technology, that, that's where we've segmented the market appropriately with uh, imaging savvy surgeons uh, because their education requirements are lower in these early days. Uh, and then the rest of the market, we would uh, penetrate with the AI, uh, which is also partially why we've 
we recognized very early on that AI would be a key enabler for this technology to uh, help limit that education investment on both uh, perimeters and the customer's uh, side, you know, pretty early on. Okay. And then your IP, uh, are you protected? Yep, yep, we are protected. So OCT as a fundamental underlying technology is effectively off the shelf. It's mature technology. It's, it's widely used in fields like ophthalmology and cardiology. But what Perimeter has been able to do is uh, take technology that would otherwise scan a one-by-one one centimeter uh, retina, which is a pretty straightforward surface to scan and see and acquire an image quickly. And we've created what we call wide-field OCT. So uh, it's able to scan a, uh, you know, a very nebulous, fatty piece of breast tissue removed from a patient up to 10 by 10 centimeters. And, uh, you know, that is really where a lot of our IP lies, is in the ability uh, to capture those large scale specimens of uh, difficult tissue to work with. And so there's a hardware component, a software component to interpolating those images and, and presenting them in a rapid manner for the surgeon to work with. And then we have artificial intelligence, uh, you know, a patent on the artificial intelligence as well. And how much is your equipment? Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, you know, we're effectively fighting a $4,000 cost per patient uh, today. And the cost to acquire our technology for a hospital would be about $1,000 per patient. So, uh, you know, effectively you have a 20 all we have to do is avoid 25% of these reoperations for the hospital to break even. Uh, you know, we have a strong body of clinical evidence that supports our ability to kind of recreate the pathology answers with 85 to 95% accuracy. Uh, so we feel like the 25% is a pretty low bar. And what we're going to these early customers with is, you know, expect uh, a conservative 50% reduction estimate. So it, it's actually kind of elegant because we cut that $4,000 cost down to $2,000. Uh, hospital, you keep half, uh, you keep half, and you pay perimeter half. So, uh, so after the $1,000 investment in perimeters technology, you still net $1,000 savings from those 50% reductions. And any anything greater than that is upside for the hospital. Okay. And so is this a sole product company or is it a platform and do you have new uh, products in the pipeline? Uh, today it's a sole product company, uh, but it is definitely platform technology. So as I mentioned, we are at the clinical validation phase of the AI version of the technology. Uh, and there's a couple things to, to note there. So uh, the, the, Technology we have cleared today, so our indication from the FDA is for evaluation of any human tissue microstructure. So uh, while our commercial efforts are focused on breast cancer today because that's our largest market, we actually, the, the technology as it exists today can be used on any cancer type. So uh, think fields like col colorectal cancer, pancreas cancer, kidney, lung, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so commercializing with that technology today, it kind of lets the market pull us in direction in the direction of what that next t tissue indication should look like. 
Then as we move into AI, this is where we become tissue specific because the AI is trained today on breast images. So this is a very tissue specific value stream for AI for breast. Uh, with these early uh, early adopters and the existing technology kind of telling us what the next AI indication should look like. So uh, really exciting times for further software development with the foundational, you know, technology and structure built based on the breast indication. Okay. Uh, then from a heart from a hardware perspective, we also see opportunities across the workflow. So uh, today we're focused on uh, you know, providing this information in the operating room for surgeons, but also upstream from the operation in biopsy, radiologists uh, you know, could, could benefit from this technology where you know, cancer is being detected earlier and earlier, you're taking a needle core biopsy under some kind of imaging navigation, so it's hard to know that you've penetrated your targeted lesion. Uh, you know, technology like this could give them instant feedback so that they know they got the right lesion and they know they got the sample of the tissue they wanted. Uh, and then also downstream in pathology, you know, what we've talked about pathology being the gold standard, but, uh, you know, pathology is a sampling technique, so they actually only end up looking at about 16% of the margin when they do their analysis today. So what we uh, are helping pathologists do is take a gross assessment so they can look at 100% of the margin really quickly with our technology and then, you know, focus on the right 16% so that they know they're taking the right samples when they're taking their, uh, when they're, you know, doing their histopathological assessment. So who are your initial customers you're targeting and, and, and how are you going to reach them? Do you have any partners or, or how? Uh, so the initial, I'd say for the next kind of 12 to 18 months, our initial target customers are those customers that can, you know, are thought leaders in the space. Uh, they're high volume surgeons familiar with imaging, like I mentioned earlier, but we want them to become, you know, this is the train-the-trainer phase for us, so we want them to become our evangelists once the AI is cleared and we're, and we're branching out into the community hospitals. Uh, and how we're reaching them is with uh, an internal uh, direct sales force. So we're not working through partners. We, uh, you know, we're or we believe our commercial team can become a competitive advantage for us as we continue to drive innovation in this space. So we're attracting, you know, sales talent from top-tier medical device companies, uh, you know, people that have been President's Club and Medtronic or worked in the, you know, Beckton Dickinson Oncology, Oncology Salesforce. So people that are excited about getting into the ground floor of this technology and recognizing that it's solving a, a large, widely acknowledged unmet need there. You know, I'm, I've been thrilled with the level of talent we've been able to attract to that team. In what country or countries are you targeting initially? So just the USA initially. So we want to get what's called a uh, country of origin clearance from, uh, you know, from a medical device perspective. So looking to get the AI clearance from the FDA, uh, then we'll branch out into other geographies. Uh, you know, I think the classic uh, medical device markets would be, uh, you know, kind of logical next steps for us, Western Europe, Australia, Japan. Uh, but then uh, there's a ton of opportunity in emerging markets as well. Uh, and this is really uh, what's so exciting about that for us is this is kind of a paradigm shifting technology. So, uh, you know, in the U.S., for example, only about two-thirds of women elect to have a breast conserving surgery or a lumpectomy. Uh, 
Uh, and that number is, you know, basically completely opposite in, in most of the emerging markets where they do far more mastectomies, you know, they go right to mastectomy. Uh, so what we believe is technology like this can help to enable uh, what is really, uh, you know, a technique that gives, you know, ultimately gives the same kind of survivorship results with uh, improved cosmetic outcomes, sensation outcomes, and really, uh, you know, for us this is moving beyond achieving survivorship, but uh, achieving a high quality level of survivorship for the long run for those patients. Okay. And are you making this yourself or outsourcing? And, and if sales take off better than expected, are you able to scale this? Uh, we have outsourced it. We uh, went with a you know, well-known large-scale medical device manufacturer out of St. Paul. Uh, that company is called Minitronics Medical, uh, and they have uh, you know, some optical uh, expertise as well to assist us with that manufacturing. And, yeah, so we have intentionally elected to work with uh, such a large group because of that scalability that you mentioned. So uh, they provide us a capital-efficient access to uh, cutting-edge technology, you know, leading manufacturing practices, and, uh, you know, we are actively constantly working with them on supply chain, and uh, which is a hot topic across the, the globe these days, uh, and giving them, you know, demand signals on, on what our uh, expected demand looks like. So we are uh, well positioned to satisfy any unexpected upside demand that comes our way. Okay. And, and what's the revenue model look like? Yep. So the revenue model is a uh, per patient, uh, you know, model. So uh, effectively, our, you know, our our business model is razor razor blade. So we have the the imaging equipment is a capital unit that goes into the hospital, uh, and then for every single patient, there's a per patient consumable. So uh, one, it's called a specimen immobilizer. It enables the surgeon to get the kind of scans with zero distortion and microscopic level resolution that's necessary, but it can only be used once per patient. Uh, so what we've done is we're, we're allowing the hospital to access the use of the capital through the purchase of a minimum number of those consumable devices. So it effectively ends up being approximately $1,000 per procedure in that consumable device. Uh, and as long as you continue to meet your minimum volume requirements, we'll leave the capital unit there for you to use. So if I'm understanding correctly, you're not selling the machines, you're placing the machines contingent upon a certain use. That's right. Yeah, you can think like a um, you know a printer lease model is effectively the way I would think about it. You're exactly right. Okay, so is that going to require a lot of capital to if you, if you make a lot of sales? Uh, yeah, it could potentially require capital. Uh, I think the the thing you know that's a strategic decision for us to to make. The opportunity for us, uh, and it's a very common model, is uh, you can. You know, the, the customer would see it as a, as a perimeter kind of private label placement agreement or lease agreement, but we can sell that lease revenue stream to a bank on the backside to manage our working capital needs to satisfy those. So uh, effectively, it's like a white label or private label leasing program. Okay. And then how about gross margins? What should they look like? Yep. Gross margins. Uh, so we... Uh, 
you know, anticipate what I would call our typical medical device margins. You know, once we're at scale, uh, we are looking somewhere in the early 80 range, early to mid 80s. Uh, for a combined blended gross margin between the capital and that consumable device, uh, you know, and th- that's one of the beautiful things about this business model and this, uh, you know, technology is as our install base grows, our product mix shifts more and more to those high margin consumable devices. So effectively, you know, from a not just, uh, you know, economies of scale, but also a product mix perspective will continue to drive gross margins up, uh, which will then, you know, expand our cash flow and effectively it becomes a self-funding P&L at that point. Okay. So as we watch the company, you know, over the next 12 months, what are some of the events or catalysts that we should look for? Yeah, certainly. So we are, uh, you know, like I mentioned earlier, we're actively commercializing today. We're, well, we've been in discussions with several customers for quite some time, so our probably our, our most exciting uh, milestone in the very near future is expected to be our first commercial sales. This is a, that will be a big transition for us from uh, you know purely clinical uh, activity into real life real life commercial customers. Uh, so that'll be a big win for us. And then on the artificial intelligence study I mentioned, uh, we just recently received our investigational device exemption approval from the FDA to start that study. So getting, uh, you know, those sites up and running and starting to enroll patients and keeping an eye on what patient enrollment looks like should give us an indication of when we'll be through that study. Uh, and we would expect to have, you know, data on that study sometime kind of Q3 2022, which will give us a great indication of, uh, the path to market to the FDA and um, and how long or how soon we'll be able to commercialize that AI technology. Okay. Before we go, are, is there anything you want to leave us with? Uh, well, uh, you know, I, I think the only thing we haven't really touched on is the people behind Perimeter. And, uh, you know, we have a, uh, you know, a management team and, and board that has deep, deep medical device and clinical experience and, uh, you know, I hope throughout the conversation that everybody recognizes we have a big, uh, big problem we're solving, a problem that is good for patients, good for providers, and good for payers and the insurance companies as well. Uh, achieving that, that market or solving that problem with differentiated technology with a great business model and, uh, as I just mentioned, doing it with a team that's been there and done that. So we're, we're really excited about the future for Perimeter. Well, sounds great. Thank you for sharing the story. My pleasure, Jeff. Thanks for having us.